Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. I am Marjorie Frymouth. As always, welcome to this episode. I don't think I have anything travel-related to report in my own life. Well, actually, I'm getting ready to go on a cross-country road trip in a few weeks. I guess that's travel-related. It, it absolutely is. I'm very excited. It's been a while since I've done any U.S. traveling, really. And, of course, there's the whole complication of the pandemic. And as I'm recording this, you know, things are not looking great. They're not looking better with the Delta variant. So... During this trip, my family and I are going to be, you know, staying away from big cities, traveling on back roads, number one, because that's our preferred mode of travel, but number two, just trying to keep as far away from civilization as possible when we're traveling and we're all fully vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated. As of two days ago, I got my second shot of Pfizer, so that is very exciting and makes me feel a lot more comfortable as we do have this road trip coming up for some family reasons, but we're also going to be making the most of it in terms of like seeing the country and national parks and camping out in the middle of nowhere and all of that fun stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that and I will definitely keep you guys updated. If you don't already, make sure to follow Going Out Your Door on Instagram because that's where I share a lot of like the everyday travel content that I encounter in my life and there will be lots of posts about this road trip as well. Um, So that is what I am looking forward to. Of course, We will probably not have to deal, we'll definitely not have to deal with the topic of today's episode during that trip, which is jet lag. And I do feel like a little bit of a fraud as I'm talking about this topic, because for someone who travels, you know, quite a bit and and flies um, very far around the world frequently, I guess, I mean, not all the time, but more frequently than a lot of people, um, I don't experience jet lag very severely, which is good. I'm really, really grateful for that. Usually I do a little bit. Um, You know, I have trouble waking up in the morning at a normal time or just getting sleepy for a few days. But when I came back from Taiwan three weeks ago, I did not have the slightest bit of jet lag. I was amazed. My family was amazed. I got in in Colorado at like three in the afternoon I was tired, obviously, from all the traveling. I'd been awake for like 36 hours um, by the time I went to bed that night. And, you know, I was exhausted, but I went to bed at a normal time and I woke up naturally at like seven the next morning. And from there on, I was totally fine. So I don't know how that happened. I mean, that was probably the worst situation, potential situation for jet lag, as we'll talk about throughout this episode. But I was traveling... I think I counted across like nine time zones. I crossed nine time zones. Um, I was, you know, traveling for 24 hours and I was also traveling from, um, hold on, let me figure this out. I was traveling from uh, west to east, which is the worst way to travel in terms of jet lag. There is actually a difference in which direction you're going and that is the worst one. So I really had all of the cards stacked against me and just for whatever reason, got really, really lucky and just immediately snapped into my new time zone and everything. So 
Just wanted to put that out there in terms of my own experience. If you've ever dealt with like severe jet lag, you are probably not too happy with me right now. I'm very sorry about that. But we do have some tips for you in this episode on how to minimize it and how to deal with it if you have jet lag. So um, hopefully this will help you out. But first, if you're like, what the heck are you talking about, Marjorie? What is jet lag? I have a few definitions for you. They're all a little bit different. The first one is from the Mayo Clinic. They say it is a temporary sleep problem that can affect anyone who quickly travels across multiple time zones. They also say that it takes about a day to recover for each time zone that you've crossed. So by that reckoning, it should have taken me over a week to recover jet lag from my Taiwan to U.S. trip recently. That does seem a little bit extreme to me. I know when I've had jet lag in the past, it usually only takes a day or two to get on a normal schedule. So a day for each time zone seems like a lot. And I feel like I read other places that they said it was a day for every two time zones. So it's definitely not a hard and fast rule, but that might help you out if you are planning ahead. Oxford Languages, which is a dictionary, says that jet lag is extreme tiredness and other physical effects felt by a person after a long flight across several time zone time zones. That makes sense. And the CDC calls it a mismatch between a person's normal daily rhythms and a new time zone. I like that one better because it's not just being tired. It's more than that. So a mismatch between your body's rhythms and your time zone. And the last one, the Sleep Foundation, where I got a lot of this information, says that jet lag is a circadian, sorry, circadian rhythm sleep-wake disorder that occurs when your 24-hour internal clock, known as your circadian rhythm, does not match the local day-night cycle. So that's similar to the CDC as well. Um, and one really interesting thing to note, like this totally makes sense if you think about it, but it's weird <laughs> if you don't stop and think about it. Jet lag does not occur if you're flying north-south and not crossing time zones like going east to west. So you could take a really, really long flight. Like, for example, you could fly from New York City to Lima, Peru, which I didn't look up the duration of that flight, but, you know, that that's a very long flight. But they're in the same time zone because it's just north-south. So you wouldn't actually cross any time zones and you wouldn't get jet lag. You might be sitting there thinking like, well, duh, Marjorie, but to me that kind of blows my mind because I just always associate a long trip with having jet lag, but that's not necessarily true. So like I said at the beginning, I don't usually get it very severely in general. Um, Usually I'm just a little bit more tired throughout the few days following my trip. You know, I might wake up a little bit earlier or later than usual, depending on which way I've traveled, but, but usually it's not too bad. The worst time I ever had it, and also the first time I ever had it, was when my family traveled to Japan, which you heard about in the episode where I interviewed my mom. Um, She came on as a guest, and we talked about that Japan trip. I was 12 years old, and I remember it didn't hit until a few days into the trip. We'd traveled from Maine to Japan, Uh, so that was a really long trip because we had to cross the whole U.S. and then the whole Pacific as well, so... I remember feeling fine for the first few days after we arrived in Japan, and I, you know, that was my first big trip, Um, other than my mom's Europe trip and my dad traveling when, when he was more of a child, none of us in the family really had a lot of experience with 
transcontinental flying or intercontinental flying or however you say that. So we, I don't think we really knew to expect jet lag. At least I didn't. Maybe they did, but no one told me about it. So I remember a few days into the trip, just laying in my hotel room with my sister. We shared a room at like three o'clock in the morning, wondering why I was wide awake and could not sleep. And it wasn't until looking back on it years later or, you know, family telling me about it, I realized, oh, that was jet lag. <laughs> that was exactly what was going on. And so for a few nights in the middle of the trip there, I think we all experienced it. We just like didn't sleep for like three hours during the middle of the night. And that is definitely one way that it can manifest. So here are different ways that you might experience it or different people might experience it because it it can be totally different depending on the person. But generally, You might experience disturbed sleep, such as insomnia, early waking, or excessive sleepiness. Uh, Daytime fatigue, so again, just being really tired when you shouldn't be during the middle of the day. You might also experience hampered physical function, so your motor skills are not really on point just because you're so tired. You might also have impaired thinking or difficulty concentrating or functioning at your usual level. Again, I think we all know what this feels like, whether it's in the context of jet lag or just being super tired for another reason or burnt out in general. Another thing that can happen is stomach problems or like constipation or diarrhea or all all of that fun stuff. Um, My stomach does not usually react well to flying in general. So for me, that's like a symptom of the flight, but it can also be connected to jet lag as well. And just generally, you probably feel pretty crappy, honestly, a general feeling of not being well. You might also have mood changes or emotional difficulties. Again, this is jet lag, but it's also just a symptom of being overtired and your body not functioning at its best. Now, there is one kind of severe side effect, which I am going to mention because it's fascinating, but I also want to point out this is incredibly, incredibly rare and the Sleep Foundation, where I read this, says not only is it rare, but it's not even like a specific side effect. It's just jet lag may increase your risk of this thing, which is sleep paralysis and nighttime seizures. So that would definitely be a more severe, much less common side effect. And I would imagine that you are probably already prone to them already if you're experiencing this and jet lag just increases the likelihood of it happening. But that is possible. There is a link there. And like I mentioned with my Japan experience, you might sleep well the first night after you arrive, but jet lag can set in a few days later. So it's not necessarily like you're just so exhausted when you arrive and you're immediately jet lagged, but it's something that can kind of present itself um, after you thought you, you were already out of the woods. There are things that can make jet lag better or worse for you as you travel, other than just how far you travel and your own personal proclivity to it. Um, One thing that can affect it is what time of day you arrive at your destination. So whether you get in early in the morning or later in the evening where you can immediately go to bed, that would be nice. Um, Your age, you might, you know, you might find it getting worse as you get older. Stress can affect it how well you sleep in general, or whether you slept well for the the last few nights before you went on your trip. 
Um, Also, alcohol and caffeine, of course, it's always those things that disrupt sleep. And a lot of people like to have a drink on the plane or drink a lot of coffee to stay awake. So those things can also affect jet lag. And then, like I said, some people are just more prone to it than others. I think I tend to be someone who's not very prone to it, thank goodness, and knock on wood (laughs) right now. Um, So as a lot of those definitions mentioned in the beginning, it is usually a temporary problem. It'll go away in a few days or a week. But a lot of people wonder whether it can have long-term consequences because you are kind of messing with your internal clock, you know, your body's rhythm, circadian rhythm, and all of that. But generally, no, it doesn't have long-term consequences unless you are a chronic traveler, which is a phrase that I read and I found really weird, a chronic traveler, but someone who travels very frequently like a pilot or a flight attendant. In that case, it can cause like more severe sleep disorders and weight gain. Actually, there's a whole long list here that, again, I'm very sorry, but I'm going to read through them even though it's a real bummer and probably doesn't affect many of you who are listening to this. But um, sleep disorders, weight gain, memory problems, decreased reaction times, higher incidence of diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, and cancer, and reduced fertility. Again, I'm sure those are rare because many, many people around the world are pilots and flight attendants, but uh, continually crossing time zones in a big way um, can make these things more likely. And of course, if you do travel frequently or if you experience jet lag to a severe level, of course, see a sleep specialist. All right, so now the actual important part of this episode, how do you prevent or treat jet lag after you already have it? Okay, this first one is really cool, light exposure. So daylight, natural light affects our circadian rhythms, so properly timed natural and artificial lights can help. Uh, like light therapy lamps, for example. I used to use one of those to wake up because one of the times I was in Taiwan, I lived in a room that did not have any windows, which sounds extreme to most Americans, but in Taipei, that's actually kind of common, not having any um, access to the outside from your room. And luckily, I was only there for a few months, but I got one of those clocks with a light built in that would wake me up in the morning and it was that you know artificial light that simulates the sunlight so you can wake up naturally so using one of those and properly timing it um, to adjust to your new time zone can help you minimize jet lag also melatonin or sleep aids melatonin is a hormone that the body naturally produces a few hours before bedtime it makes us feel sleepy and regulates our circadian rhythm and you can actually take supplements of melatonin so again if you take those at the appropriate times it can help your body adjust and i'm assuming that's some certain amount of time prior to going to bed but you would definitely want to look that up specifically or ask a doctor I am not a medical specialist, I should have said at the beginning of this episode. Also, other sleeping medications in general can help if you use them appropriately, but they can also cover up jet lag that needs to be properly treated. Like if you have really severe jet lag and you're just kind of, you know, taking sleeping pills every night in order to sleep, you're actually just covering up your jet lag. And that's not necessarily a great thing to do either if it's a severe or a long-term case of jet lag. Another thing you can do is pre-adjust your internal clock. So, you know, a few days or probably more like a week or two weeks before you travel, you can start adjusting when you go to bed and when you wake up, not in any one huge chunk of time at once, but like 
30 minutes every night, you know, go to bed a little bit earlier every night or wake up earlier or later. I mean, I guess you can't force yourself to wake up later, but go to bed earlier or later um, so that you are more closely aligning yourself to the time zone of where you are traveling to. That can help your body as well. And of course, you can also use more than one of these techniques. So you could try to adjust your bedtime, but also start taking melatonin and just try to get everything as best in sync as you can before you travel. Again, limiting alcohol and caffeine before, during, and immediately after your travels, just because they mess with our sleep cycle and when we're awake and all of that. And then as always, like, of course, of course, this is a suggestion, but stay properly hydrated. Just stay properly hydrated throughout your entire life. It'll make everything better. But if you are drinking enough water while you are traveling and trying to eat nutritiously, which of course can be so hard on an airplane or in airports, uh, but just anything you can do to make your body feel better in general is going to help with jet lag. The final piece of advice, which to me is the most important, this is my only hard and fast rule when it comes to traveling and jet lag, do not nap when you get to your destination. Whatever time you arrive, even if it's at six o'clock in the morning, do not take a nap. Stay awake the entire day until a normal bedtime, a reasonable bedtime, and then go to sleep. If you take a nap, you can just mess your body up even more. It'll confuse your body. Um, Not a great idea. Don't take a nap. That's, like I said, that's my only rule when it comes to jet lag. And finally, there is a rumor, a story, an idea out there that traveling east, so going west to east, can make your jet lag worse than traveling in the opposite direction. And yes, that is usually true. So for example, traveling from America to Europe, or in my case, Taiwan to America, is usually harder on your body than going the opposite direction. Now, The reason why is perhaps a little bit complicated, but Sleep Foundation says that this is because it's easier to delay our internal clocks than to advance it. So it's easier to like slow down our body's natural rhythm than to speed it up and make it jump ahead. Uh, This is because our natural circadian rhythm is actually longer than 24 hours, just slightly longer than 24 hours which I find fascinating, and not to go down a totally different, not travel-related rabbit hole with you, um, but I was really curious as to why that is, because as humans, we evolved on planet Earth, so why would our bodies cycle not be completely synced to the day? But then it occurred to me that the day is perhaps not exactly, well, we know it's not exactly 24 hours, which is why we have leap years, leap days, Um And we've just sort of shoehorned it into the best possible metric division. And I think that's why. I don't know. I'm just talking off the top of my head here to to try to figure out why our bodies have a circadian rhythm that is slightly longer than 24 hours. But I think that's why. If you know for sure, please let me know. I would be very curious. Anyway, because of that, and I should say this is in my words, not what I read from Sleep Foundation. I was trying to explain it in a way that I could understand it. So... Our bodies almost appreciate this slight delay or this slight lengthening of time, um, and they will naturally build in that delay in the absence of natural light cues, which is 
what we have when we're on an airplane or in airports. You know, we don't have that natural light stimulating our melatonin production and regulating the circadian rhythm. So our body, our bodies will naturally lapse into that slightly longer than 24 hour um, rhythm, which fits better when you are going to the east and not to the west. I hope that made sense. I hope that was correct. I did my best to uh, research all of it and also just make sure that I was understanding what I was reading, but I believe that is the case. Whether I got all the details correct or not, yes, it is generally true that traveling to the east makes jet lag worse. So maybe factor that in when you're planning. I mean, certainly don't avoid going east just because of that, but recognize that you might have more severe jet lag if you're traveling from the U.S. to Europe uh, than going vice versa. Of course, you could also just get totally lucky like me and, you know, not have any jet lag whatsoever. So <laughs> I wish that on all of you. I hope I hope that's the case for everyone out there who's traveling. It's not a fun experience, but it's definitely not a reason to avoid traveling. Just make sure that you take the proper precautions and, you know, take care of yourself. That's really the best thing you can do. That's the best thing you can do all the time, not just when you're traveling. Take care of yourself. <laughs> anyway... That brings us to the end of this episode. I would love to know if any of you have your own tips or tricks for dealing with jet lag. Like these are all the ones that all of the, you know, medical sites, WebMD, CDC, Sleep Foundation, all of those recommended generally the same things and they all pretty much made sense to me, but I would love to know if anyone has any random tips or hacks for dealing with jet lag. Please let me know. I would love to share them with everybody. And you can send those to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor for all kinds of random travel content and life in all sorts of different places. And you can also find me on Twitter at goingoutyour. Until next time, where we will talk all things travel again, this is Going Out Your Door. Your Door.